We're going to look at a principle that's laid out in Proverbs chapter 23 and use it to examine our lives and how we should be interacting with others. While you're turning there, I want to uh, also say that uh, Clay's words this morning talking about worshiping. Um, wholeheartedly agree we should be worshiping not only this hour we read a little bit this morning about Gideon and there's something that caught my eye with Gideon whenever Gideon goes into the camp he's in the Midianite camp and he overhears that they say that uh, well the Lord is going to give Midian to Israel well what did he do there he worshiped time time and place did not matter to Gideon he worshiped so not only should we be worshiping with our brethren one another worshiping God on Sundays, on Wednesdays when we gather here in this building, but we should be taking time out of our day each and every day to worship. Proverbs chapter 23, we're going to be looking specifically at verse 23 this morning, and it it lays out uh, a principle that is going to be very important for us and one that I really think is lacking in, in the world. Modern churches are not involved with truth. And I say modern churches include whatever denomination, whatever you want to include in that. Modern churches, yes, even us, can be not involved in truth. Truth and religion has become a minor minor consideration in modern churches. Oftentimes, churches are more concerned with performance than they are with the truth being taught in pulpits. Oftentimes, modern churches are more concerned with external growth, whether that be the building of the building or the boosting up of numbers, than they are in true evangelism in truth. Oftentimes, modern churches are more concerned with personal relationships than truth in membership. Think about what that means. We don't want to upset someone, so I don't go to my brother Reagan and say, Reagan, what you're doing is wrong. I just picked on Reagan for a second. Reagan's good about doing things correctly. But we know that we can go to one another and we should be doing these things in truth. Look at Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23. Here's our principle for this morning. Buy the truth and do not sell it. All wisdom and instruction and understanding also. Truth must be bought at all costs. And notice we should not be selling it either. I think from this text we can glean four general principles about truth in religion. So let's go ahead and dive in. First principle that we see is that there is truth in religion. We read that it is not humanly discovered, but it is divinely revealed. Go to um, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll look in verse 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Why? Verse 21 states, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. A similar principle is laid out in John chapter 16 and verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Who will guide into all truth? Man? Absolutely not. It would be... The Spirit, it would be God, it would be Jesus. It is divinely revealed, truth is. In a similar vein, in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, we see that truth is spiritual in nature, it is not secular. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord, as His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory 
and virtue. Speaking of truth there, it is spiritual, it is not secular in nature. Now, the the truths that are given by God talk about the relationships that we should have, the responsibilities that we have toward God. All things are there, we read in 2 Peter. Uh, Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 show that truth should govern our relationships, should govern our responsibilities, and most importantly, our responsibilities to God. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. See, the truth, that definite article right there, the truth, that's that true religion that we're talking about, that many are led astray and don't find. Truth is absolute. And especially in, in, in modern times, and, and there's nothing new under the sun, but we see this very prevalently today. Truth is absolute. Truth is not relative. And truth in religion is absolute. It is not relative. The only relative thing regarding truth is a person's knowledge to the truth. The truth is standing on the pedestal supreme given to us by God, and it's only relative how much we know of the truth. Truth is objective. It is not subjective. Go to Acts chapter 26. Paul recognized this fact as he was talking uh, to others. Acts 26 and ver- uh, verse 9. Paul had a truth at the beginning of his life that said that he should uh, condemn Christians, put them in prison. That was a relative truth to Paul. It was a subjective truth. But we read that Paul um, caught on to that truth, the truth that we read of. Look at uh, verse 9. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes and says that he is chief of sinners for doing this. He thought to himself that he should do these things. The truth there is objective. There was a truth. Even though Saul was doing what he thought was right, what he thought was truth, that was not truth. So the first thing we see from this, uh, the principles laid out in Proverbs 23 is that truth in religion is a thing. There are people in uh, worlds today that would say that there is only the truth that's laid out from higher-ups in, in, within the church uh, to come down to the people who don't know any better. That's not the case. Anyone can find the truth. Second thing that we see in uh, Proverbs 23 and 23 is that the truth in religion is exceedingly important is it's exceedingly important. And we see this because of what it does. I've got a litany of verses here we're going to go through. Go to John chapter 8 with me. John chapter 8 and verse 32. It might be a common thing for us. We're thinking about truth. Maybe this passage would come to our minds. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. 1 Peter chapter 1 talks about truth as well. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 23 through 23. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Truth in religion is exceedingly important, and we we know that because of what the religion, what the true religion does. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who 
continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they're given indignation and wrath. Paul says in uh, 2 Thessalonians that they may all be condemned who do not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So truth is exceedingly important because of the things that it does. Truth makes us free, we've read. Truth helps us to purify our souls because we've obeyed the truth. Truth helps us to not be condemned. Look at the apostles' attitude toward truth. Go to uh, 2 John verse 1. By the apostles' writings, we see how they would have viewed this, this truth, this truth in religion, having bought it and not selling it. We'll read the first four verses. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also those who have known the truth. There's that phrase, the truth, again. That's what we're talking about. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we have received the commandment from the Father. So how does John feel about this truth? John does everything through truth, and John does everything through love. And that's part of the way that John is, is writing his epistle. He talks about the love, but more importantly, he's talking about Jesus as the true Messiah when he's writing his epistles to the churches and also his gospel. Look at the way Paul interacts with this idea of truth in religion. Go to Galatians. I've got a little bit of a lengthy reading here, but I think it proves the point very well and very... Um, I was going to say succinctly. It's not quite succinct. But go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We're going to kind of skim through some of this, and we're going to pick out some verses that I want us to highlight, looking at the way that Paul would have felt about this truth. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So what is Paul actively doing? He is actively fighting against those who would spread things other than the truth. We read earlier on that those who are spreading things other than the truth or who are not following in truth are, are storing up wrath and indignation for them who are working in unrighteousness. Skip down to 11. So that's someone coming from the outside the church, coming in, having dealing in untruths. What about someone within the church? Here's Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James... He would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And we can go on down and read um, Paul's um, exhorting, Paul getting on to Peter here. Look in chapter 3 and verse 1. So, telling those stories... Paul has. Look at what he says to the Galatians in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? 
Because he's given examples of, well, outside the church, they didn't believe the church, we withstood them. Within the church, we have those of our brethren who are um, eating with some brethren and not eating with others, and we withstood them to their faiths. Why are you not obeying the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? And then flip over to chapter 5 and verse 7. Chapter 5 and verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul's attitude toward truth recognizes that truth is so important in religion. Think about what Jesus went through, what the apostles went through in order to to see this truth. We're going to talk about this in just a second. But Jesus, what he fulfilled for the truth. The apostles, what they were willing to endure because they knew the truth. We've mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, But the idea of, would you be willing to stand up facing crucifixion, facing being murdered, facing being stoned? When you knew that, well, if I just deny this Jesus character, I can go on with my life. There's no way that that the apostles can be spreading something other than truth because they're faced with this fact, and yet they still say, yes, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is supreme. And they face death for that. Which brings us to the next thing that we read of in, in Proverbs chapter 23, but truth in religion must be obtained at all cost. To those that brought us to it. Think about all the the ways that we read secular history of the apostles dying, crucified upside down, stoned, buried alive, burned alive, burned at the stake. Jesus, God in the flesh, crucified, whipped, tortured, going through interrogations, sleepless nights, sweat as great drops of blood, all for the truth that we should be trying to obtain. So what are the things that we spend in order to obtain this truth. I think very few of us are being crucified, thank God. But if it comes to that, are we willing to do that? But think about the things in our life that we might not be willing to give up because of the cost of obtaining this truth. Go to Acts chapter 17. True religion must be obtained at all costs. And so notice what the Thessalonians did in Acts chapter 17. They took time and they spent time studying. They spent time researching. Excuse me, the Bereans, they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Brethren, we should be studying, we should be researching this truth. Not only so we can be sure that we have it obtained, but also so we can be sure that we are correctly proclaiming the truth to others so that we're not leading people astray. So that we don't have false misconceptions about, well, can I eat with this people, can I not? And then we have to be withstood to our face. Another cost that it might be is attending events where it's taught. We'll have a gospel meeting coming up. We should be in attendance to that. That should be a cost that we are willing to pay because the truth is being taught. Attending Bible studies, attending worship services. These these things are commanded elsewhere, but if nothing else, because the truth is being taught. And because we are trying to obtain it. And putting the truth ahead of earthly pleasures and ease. Think about that. That's a, that's a big phrase that can inco- incorporate a lot of things. We talked about uh, at the very beginning of this, um, modern churches, modern, modern individuals being more concerned with performance than truth in pulpits, being more concerned with growth than truth in religion, more concerned with personal relationships 
than truth in membership, and those are just churches, but are we more concerned with the ease of life than living a truthful life? Are we more concerned with the pleasures that we enjoy, whether it's fishing, hunting, games, sporting events, than we are with making certain that we are following in truth? True religion, truth in religion, which is uh, objective, not subjected, truth in religion must be obtained at all costs. Whatever you have to pay to get it, pay that amount. Now, I know I'm talking this morning to those who have obtained that truth. But the final thing that we read of, and, and, and I think we can glean from Proverbs 23, and go back there. Let's, let's refresh our memory on this real quick. Proverbs 23, 23. So we've, taught about, we've, we've talked about buying the truth. Buy the truth, but the second part is do not sell it. So we've obtained the truth. We recognize that there is truth. We recognize the cost that it took to get us to this truth. And we have obtained this truth. We have to retain this truth. We have to retain this truth at all costs. Do not sell it. Also retain wisdom, instruction, and understanding. So we must not neglect it. We cannot neglect the truth. We cannot let it slip away. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Turning to Hebrews chapter 2, we'll look at the first um, handful of verses here. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. This is talking to those who have obtained the truth. And the Hebrew writer here is saying that you should make sure that you don't get rid of the truth, that you don't sell it to someone, that you have the truth always with you. For the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Verse 4, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to the angels. But from that verse, hone in on verse 1. Give them more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Why? Lest we drift away. Truth and religion has to be maintained at all costs. We cannot drift away, and we drift away by a couple of ways. We can drift away by ceasing to grow. We're in Hebrews, so turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 to the end of the chapter will read, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes, of, who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We can neglect the truth. We can sell the truth. We cannot retain that truth by ceasing to grow. And we read this and we think about, okay, we're talking about milk and babes and solid food and things like that. But there are some harsh words that we read in this. Everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled. What are they unskilled in? They're unskilled in the words of righteousness. Do we want anyone to say that of us? To come up to us and say, Jonathan, you are unskilled in the words of righteousness. That would cut. That would hurt. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age that who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That tells us that those who are babes, those who are babes, don't discern good and evil very well, which gets them caught up in things. Is this things that we want said of us? 
and, and going with this, the same idea, Second Peter chapter 2 talks about the, a, a failure to remember. A failure to remember what the truth is. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Excuse me, um, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. For, the, by, for this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of, this, of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Even though when, when Peter is writing this to Christians in the first century, he says, I know you are established in the truth, but what is he going to keep doing? He's going to keep reminding them of these things so that they do not cease to grow, so that there is not a failure to remember. So we recognize that there is a truth in religion. We recognize that it is exceedingly important. We've looked at the cost that it takes not only for us to get this truth, but also the cost that we should be willing to pay to obtain the truth. We cannot let it slip away. In Proverbs 23 and verse 23, there was that phrase, don't sell it. Buy truth and don't sell it. Well, let's think about a couple of things briefly before we, before we close out about the things that we sell out truth for. We sell out truth for money. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Whenever you read through the New Testament, you see this phrase, the faith. You can substitute the truth because we've said they're one and the same. So let's read through with that substitution. I don't think it's doing the, um, Paul's writing to Timothy any injustice. For the love of money is the root of all evils. For some have strayed from the truth in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We sell out for popularity. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If we are selling out for money, that's jobs. That's doing actions we should not for monetary gain. If we're selling out for popularity, making sure that we are popular even within our brethren, rather than sticking to the truth, Paul says that if he pleased men, he wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. Are we selling out for peace and unity? Now, we should be a people of peace and unity. I saw a couple of heads turn sideways. Hear me out. Go to Luke chapter 12. When I say peace and unity, there should most certainly be peace and unity that we should be trying to live with all men. But there's a time in which we must stand against untruthfulness, that we should stand against unrighteousness. And Jesus did that. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Luke chapter 12, let's look in verse 49 about what Jesus is saying here. He said, I came to send fire and earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it's accomplished. Look at verse 51. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two, two against three. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, is Jesus saying that we should just be making everyone mad, making everyone upset, not being peaceful with people? It's not quite what he's saying. 
But he's saying that he is coming and he is preaching something so contrary to the will of man that you can't help but have to withstand people to their face. That you can't help but have to live a different kind of life and be outside of the world. So whenever we have obtained that truth, let's not sell it out because we're trying to promote peace and unity. Don't let peace and unity stray your thoughts from sticking with truth. Don't sell out for ease. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Don't sell out for ease. We read all throughout the New Testament of, of the trials and tribulations and the persecutions. And we don't see many of those things, at least not here, but there are brethren worldwide that are seeing those trials, tribulations, and persecutions, physical persecutions. So when we are, if if this ever comes to where we're at, don't, don't sell out the truth for ease of life. It might be in the, the ease that we think of, we can be soft sometimes. Don't sell out the truth for, well, my bed is warm, I don't want to get up on a cold morning and come to services. Now, those are trivial things compared to the, the cost that it took to get us the truth. And we've obtained it, so don't let it go. Don't sell out the truth for compromise. Go to Galatians chapter 2 with me. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 5. We read this earlier, but we'll read it again. We'll start in verse 4, talking about the false teachers that Paul is confronting. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Bondage is the opposite of truth. To whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul, when confronted with unrighteousness, when confronted with untruthfulness, truth against the truth that is objective and stated in Scripture, he didn't compromise. Even when it was difficult whenever uh, he's having to withstand a brother, a fellow apostle, he wasn't worried about his personal relationships. He was concerned with the truth, the faith, and he didn't compromise. Go back to Proverbs chapter 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Let's let this kind of guide our lives as we go forward this week. As we're talking to others, pretend you're a salesman. Have you bought the truth? Have you bought the truth? Tell them the advertising pitch. Here's what it can do for you. In order to get you this product, Jesus of Christ, Jesus of Nazareth died. In order to get you this product, apostles, teachers, prophets, preachers, men and women for centuries have carried on the truth. Someone had to teach you. So the question that we can go on with is, is, are we selling things out? Many of us are Christians. We have obtained the truth at some point in time. But if you have sold out the truth, are you willing to pay the cost to get that truth back? Are you willing to reclaim the truth after you've sold it? So we're about to stand up and sing a song to, to encourage us, and I want us to think about these things. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Write it down somewhere. Put it on your phone. Let it be your alarm in the morning. But think about it every day. Think about it. Are you constantly buying the truth? 
Are you reclaiming the truth whenever you know that you have sold it for something? And once you realize that you've sold it to something, be honest with yourself and say, was that worth the cost? We're going to sing, all things are ready. Tell them I have prepared my dinner. All things are ready. Jesus is ready and willing to take us back at any point in time. We have to confess our sins. If we've never obtained the truth, we can obtain it by being baptized, being called a child of God. If we have lost the truth, we've sold it out, we can reclaim it. By, um, we can reclaim it by asking for forgiveness, asking prayers on our behalf, making right the wrong, and being sure that we are not selling it anymore. So if there's anything we can do for you, I ask you to come and sing, um, and come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>